everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Alicia. And this is Camp Final Girls. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Sorry, uh, we went missing for a week. (laughs) (laughs) I just really felt like I needed a break for Mother's Day weekend from myself because I try to do too much all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. And I, I was telling Alicia too, I was like, oh, I forgot to post like, hey, sorry for the hiatus. And then I did it. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't even want to do that. I was just so tired. Well, it was our special day, so we got to celebrate. For both moms. We have moms. Yes. And yeah. A very busy weekend, yeah. for sure. I know. And then this week, I was like, okay, I got to do the notes then um, this week, because I didn't even do them last week. I was just so tired. And I'm then busy. I didn't even do them until Friday, so... It's all good in the neighborhood. Very last minute possible. And then today's Lily's birthday. Yes, my baby girl. She's not a baby anymore. She's officially a teenager. I I told her this yesterday. I said, I don't care if you're 50 years old and I'm 75 or however old I'm going to (laughs) be at that time. (laughs) I said, you're always going to be my baby girl. So she's like, ew, mom, shut up. No. (laughs) She just smiles at me. <laughs> I know. Well, um, I, she's like a teenager now. So like, if you thought that her attitude was bad now, you just wait, sister. It's I already way. have two bad attitude boys. Like it went <laughs> from one to another. The other one still has an attitude, but he's a little, he's getting a little better, but now. Yeah. As they one. like grow and mature and they realize like, ew, why would I treat my mom like that? Yeah. It like changes. But. I feel like though, Lily, she's a lot better with that. Like, yeah. She, probably cause she's a girl. I don't know. Maybe. And girls just sometimes have different relationships with their mom. Yeah. Depending. Yeah. True. <laughs> uh, oh, and you know who else's birthday it is today? It's Ryan's birthday, my oh, yeah. old roommate. So I saw. Shout out to Ryan. I know he doesn't listen to this, but Janelle does. So tell <laughs> your Hubson, I said happy, happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> I don't know how old he is. So older than me, but probably younger than you. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, how, oh, what did you you went to Disneyland this weekend for Lily's birthday? Yes, it was it was fun, but it was I haven't been to Disneyland in years. Really? So like, yeah, I haven't been there in years. Oh, we never even went together. That's so weird because no. within our friendship, I've been at least twelve times. <laughs> yeah, because of the quarantine happening, and then I never really had money and any time if I wanted to go, the kids would want to go. So almost every time I've gone like recently, uh, somebody just had an extra ticket or some shit. Oh yeah. Which, which was always nice. Like Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to pass out a pass up on free Disneyland tickets. Yeah, that's true. Why not? (laughs) Exactly. I know. And I was going to say for my birthday, I wanted to go to Disneyland but I was like no I'd rather do like Vegas or something mm-hmm. that'd yeah, be we more gotta, fun we gotta try that donut shop 
<laughs> well, and have you ever had, wait, when was the last time you went to Vegas? Um, 2020. Oh, I went. How could I forget that shit show? <laughs> <laughs> I went to see Christina Aguilera. Christina. Oh God. <laughs> oh, you're lucky I'm not right there. I would have slapped you. She's like gross. She's an amazing singer though. I her hate vocals. how she's like <laughs> and you're like, okay, you could have stopped like 10 bars. You're ago. just jealous. I just sounded just like her when I did that. What are you even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's cool. I just, I went swimming today in my sister's pool and I don't think it was heated today. So it was pretty fucking cold. Oh God, I hate but, that. But I was like the only one in there because the, the girls were like freezing. So they're just shaking on the edge and my sister didn't even get in fully. So mm-hmm. it was just me swimming <laughs> away. <laughs> I hope yeah, I got that- a little sun because I am so white right now. But I like being white. I just don't like being pasty white, you know? (laughs) Yeah. There's a difference for sure. Okay. So um, this episode is going to be the final episode in my um, three-part series on the serial killer, John Wayne Gacy. Um, I... You got to remind me because my mind. That's what like, I was has... to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I know because um, there was there was a lot a lot of bodies um, that were found in his house, and basically we were at the point where they had found twenty um, six bodies in and around his house mm-hmm. and his land, and so now they were kind of getting into the point of trying to identify all these bodies because remember the reason why they were searching this house was because they were looking for Robert Peist like specifically mm-hmm. and that they, was the one from the in front of the the pharmacy yeah uh, yeah okay. yeah yeah and um they had found 26 bodies and they still like hadn't found him and he wasn't there so that's like, yes. and that was the whole point of their search warrant and everything. That's what they were trying to charge him with because they had physical evidence that tied him to the last mm-hmm. place he was seen. So, so now they have all these other things. And they're, like, they're like, wait a second. <laughs> now we're like, holy crap. We just walked in a hell hole. Yeah. <laughs> literally like gateway to hell or something. Yeah. This guy's crazy. Okay. So that's kind of where we left off. And remember, at this point in time, DNA wasn't um, something they could use to identify the bodies. They mostly had to go off of like dental records and they had asked parents of missing male teens to provide records or whatever. And not that many people came forward because they didn't want to be associated with this crime. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's where we left off. Um, now, on March 21st, 1978, Jeffrey Rig- Rignall was picked up by Gacy, who offered him marijuana. Gacy took a chloroform rag and put it to his face, making him pass out. He then kept him in his house. He put him um, in a piece of two by four, um, basically, like I kind of picture, you know, in the old days, like when the stocks or whatever, the shame where you would put your head and your arms in. Oh, uh huh. He had him in that two by four like that. And then um, he had a chain laced through that. And that also held his wrists and his ankles together. Oh my God. 
Um, he then bent him over and sexually assaulted him with a sex toy. Um, he kept him at his house for a few hours and then decided to leave him on the stairs in the Lincoln park. Jeffrey woke up at about 5.30 a.m. and he had huge burn marks all over his face from where Gacy was holding the chloroform rag on his face. Holy shit. So Jeffrey immediately went to the police and told them that he had been raped. Since the assault was like a gay man on another gay man, the police Mm -hmm. didn't really take the matter too seriously. And it was hard for them at the time to understand that rape could happen between two men. Um, Wow, that sucks. So Jeffrey gave them a a brief description of Gacy, but it wasn't much for them to go on since the police took too lightly. Um, It became, uh, sorry, lightly, it became up to Jeff to try to find his attacker himself. He's like, if the police aren't going to do anything, then I guess I fucking will. Um, Oh my God, I can't imagine that. Right? And especially because now this is after Gacy had already like been arrested and accused of these murders Mm -hmm. and it's like this happens at a local park nearby and they don't like tie it together is yeah they're just like oh that's weird and he and the fact that all the bodies are men so it's like wouldn't you describe him and he's like an elderly overweight man with a weird mustache like and they didn't like it's just weird so Mm -hmm. what jc sorry what Jeff remembered when Gacy drove him to his house was that the exit from the highway was on Cumberland Avenue. The, um, and that's one of the things he remembered as he was like in and out of consciousness driving home um, with Gacy, which is amazing that he remembered like able to open his eyes and see like a street that they were exiting off the highway, which was like vital to catching this guy. Um, so what Jeff did is he got in his car and he sat at the exit until he saw Gacy's car exit. He was able to get the license plate number off of his car and follow him home and get his address. He then took the information to the police and Gacy was arrested. And currently at this time when this was happening, Gacy was out on bond from the charges of the, of the homicides, Mm -hmm. which is why, why in the fuck was he out on bond? That doesn't even make yeah like all those murders what the hell yeah and then he goes and attacks somebody else um jc or oh my gosh i keep doing that jeff (laughs) jeffrey remembers being grateful that he woke up at the park alive instead of being added to the collection under gc's house like he was he was i don't even know how like i would feel you know what i mean like even though he got caught again Mm -hmm. it's like you could have been dead right yeah because and why didn't he kill him you know maybe because he just let him go knowing that that guy knew exactly what he looked like yeah it's like he had no fear you know like yeah he's like i don't give a shit i'm just gonna do this and whatever i don't care and maybe he was like well the jig is up anyways it's not like i could get in any more trouble let me just violate one last person before i go away Mm mm-hmm So on December 22nd, 1978, a few days after being, um, the digging started, Larry Finder, the prosecutor 
said that he they asked him to just tell them where the bodies were so gacy like oh he's like okay give me a piece of paper he got a piece of paper and he drew like an outlining of a map um and started just showing him where the bodies were like he would draw like a circle or a rectangle and be like four Mm. three two and so when as they're like counting as he just keeps drawing these um numbers and they're like oh the numbers represent the amount of bodies that are stacked in that spot and he's like yes and they got to over 20 bodies at this point. And they're just like, man, this is, this is crazy. We didn't think this is what we were going to find. Mm-hmm. Um, he told them that in early spring to summer of 1978, he um, ran out of room in the crawl space. So he started using the river. And remember, they still hadn't found Robert Pice's body. So they were like, uh-huh. maybe his body is in the river. Yeah. So... <laughs> Like he not only he ran out of space to bury people under his house. Yeah, and but so, didn't he bury somebody in the barbecue or not barbecue? So I'll I'll it? tell you where all the bodies were found at. Oh, the end. okay. Um, he told that. Uh, wait, sorry. So for Gacy, Rob was different. He took this kid in plain sight where there were tons of witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was getting extremely sloppy towards the end towards the end of his murders. And he was just bound to be caught, which I, I think is pretty interesting to me that like serial killers always towards the end before they get caught, you know, they just like start getting sloppy and leaving evidence. And I don't know where's the point where, oh, I'm so tired after 30 bodies or whatever Mm -hmm. that you just start tiring out. It's weird. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's really interesting that it happens, but I'm like interested kind of in the psychology behind that, you know? No, I agree. Um, so Gacy finally told them what had happened to Pice back on December 2nd. He said that he was leaving, um, Nissan pharmacy and a kid comes running up to his car asking him about work. Gacy told him, I don't have time for this. I have to go to go do something. So Robert told him, well, I'll just jump into your car with you and talk to you about it while you're driving, which is weird but he's like i'm off work i'm really need extra work so let me just go with you it's like gacy didn't even have to work for this one like according to him if this story is true this kid literally got into his car oh my god so um they got in gacy's truck went back to his house and gacy assaulted him he said that after the assault um, Rob was crying and Gacy put a rope around his neck with a turret. Remember how I was saying how he used to do that? And he started telling Rob, he's like, see this stick, the tighter I turn it, the tighter oh, yeah. it gets on your neck. Mm-hmm. And he's like explaining this process to him and he gets interrupted because the phone rings and Gacy says he went to go answer the phone. And by the time he was done with his phone conversation, went back to Rob, Rob was dead. Which is so crazy because it's like for Gacy, it's like, oh, let me go answer the phone real quick. While this poor kid is suffering on the floor and just dies and Gacy comes back and he's all, oh shit, he's dead. And it's like, whatever, you know, it's like this pivotal moment in this kid's life. And it's like nothing to him. It's just really sad. Mm -hmm. Um, It was bedtime for Gacy. So he said that he took Rob off of his bed and took him up into the attic 
and came back down so he could go to sleep. And he basically, because I listened to him tell this story kind of, and he was Mm -hmm. saying, it it was kind of like, you know, the end of the day you're working and stuff and you, it's time for bed. So you clear off all the stuff off your bed and then you go to sleep. I know that kind of reminds me of like when I'm doing laundry and I don't want to finish it and I just like put it in the basket. Like I move Mm -hmm. it so I can go to sleep. Like that's like clothes though. Can you imagine like Oh, no exactly let's move this body like and that's so how Gacy felt about bodies how you feel about laundry God. it's just it's it's crazy that some people think that way mm-hmm. um so the next day was remember when police came to his door and asked for him to come down to the station and talk to them mm-hmm. that was the day that Rob was sitting up in his attic and the police had no clue Oh my God, that's um, crazy. Yeah, so they're looking for this boy and he's like, oh, I'll come back. I'll come down there later. Um, he told the police he needed to go out of town for his uncle's funeral and then they left. Gacy mm-hmm. then took his body down and took him on I-55 to the Des Plaines River. He threw the body into a point in the river where he had said he had thrown several other bodies. Oh um, shit. Right. He then turned around to come back home and it was raining really hard. So he lost control of his car and it skid and crash landed into a bank of mud. A state trooper came by and called him a tow truck to help him get out. Um, that was when he showed up at the station at like three o'clock in the morning. Remember oh, covered in uh-huh. mud. Yeah. And they just were like, what? And that's what he was doing. Was getting rid of the body. Oh my god, so that's crazy. so crazy! How you're just like, how did that happen? And now it all comes full circle. Mm-hmm. So on January first, nineteen seventy nine, at this point, twenty six bo- or sorry, twenty seven bodies have been found under Gacy's house. They could not find any ever- evidence of Robert in the river either. They looked where Gacy said he dumped him, mm-hmm. and they just couldn't find anything. During this time was when a huge snowstorm hit Chicago and it was like this huge thing where it's just snowed and snowed and snowed and everybody knew it was like, we're going to be stuck in our houses for a long time. There was literally like 10 inches of snow that didn't melt because it was just too cold. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy because when we got three inches of snow out here, I thought it was the apocalypse. So can <laughs> you imagine, like, ten inches of snow? No. It's, like, pretty thick. Mm-hmm. On April 9th, 1979, Robert Pice, Robert Pice's body finally surfaces. When a body goes into ice-cold water, like when the blizzard was happening, it actually sinks to the bottom and it doesn't resurface until the water warms up again. And this is basically because when the body um, war- or the water warms up again, then the body starts to decompose again. And those gases mm-hmm. in your body that are released when you're dead and you're decomposing is what causes mm-hmm. the body to float. Oh, okay. So they found Robert's body finally. Um, and at Robert's funeral, like his, uh, remember the girl that he had put the, receipt in or she was wearing his jacket and she put the receipt in her pocket so Mm -hmm. she was saying that it it was weird at his funeral because literally like hundreds of people showed up because at this point it was kind of like national news because his death or disappearance led to the discovery of a serial killer and -hmm. she's like it's really sad because it it was something that people didn't really go through because serial killers weren't really 
that big of a thing back then and they're like they like it was at the beginning of that time because this is then when you know like Bundy and Mm -hmm. like Jeffrey Dahmer and all that started yeah it was but this was like one of the first ones where it was like it was such a media frenzy and it became like Mm -hmm. she was like it was weird because there were cameras there and she's like that just wasn't normal for a funeral and so they weren't used to that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um so on april 10th 1979 this is when gacy's house was finally demolished they completely ex ex oh gosh excavated Mm -hmm. the entire house and land to ensure that they didn't leave any stone unturned like imagine you keep pulling body out body out and then you finally get to the point where you're not and you're kind of like well we should make sure yeah because the fact that we found this many like i would feel so scared that we're mm-hmm. leaving a body and he worked there. in construction so he knew yeah how to hide it good you mm-hmm. know exactly and he probably had the tools to dig really far too yeah exactly so 26 bodies were found in the crawl space under the house um one was under found under um the foundation of an addition to the house that he had built mm-hmm. one was found found along the driveway which is really weird to me because i'm like when did he have time to bury a body where his neighbors wouldn't see yeah like 1970s neighborhoods like everybody was close you know Mm -hmm. Uh, which I thought that was weird yeah and the final body yeah um was found um to an addition he had added to his garage so in the house in total there were 29 bodies found what about that one guy what one guy the, the one of his workers remember yeah i i think i might have set, spoken wrong because that kid did build that um barbecue pit in his backyard but i don't know if they're if they count that as the addition to the house that he built maybe that's what they're talking about mm. i don't know specifics but well, so in total there were 29 i'm very uh, disappointed in you for not finding out <laughs> I just he they never said he was found under a barbecue pit that just wasn't just anywhere so I'm assuming- I know that's what's so annoying because then they talk about it right but then they well, yeah because say- one of his one of his co-workers remembers that happening. yeah that's what I'm saying like well maybe but- in that guy's head too he's like well he hid bodies in there maybe that's why he built that barbecue pit but then now mm-hmm. he just built the barbecue pit yeah <laughs> confusing the shit out of people i know right (laughs) yeah so nine of the bodies found were unidentified and the county paid for their funerals so after they counted up all 29 of these bodies only nine of them couldn't be identified but that yeah sad that they couldn't identify these and they all have families and the fact that Uh these families didn't come forward oh my god like well they didn't back then there's yeah more to this story Oh, so <laughs> um, Bill Kunkel was assigned as the main chair on the prosecution side. He brought in Bob Egan and Terry Sullivan to join his team. It took over a year to get ready for the trial against Casey. So um, Sam Amarante remembers, and Sam Amarante is um, Gacy's lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, he remembers the public hating him for representing Gacy, which remember, this was his first like official client, like out of law school, which is so yeah. crazy. It's a serial killer. Um, 
he said that him and his family were um, threatened like and got death threats often during this time which like sucks because yeah I get it he's trying to I guess like with lack of a better word like protect a serial killer but it's like somebody has to have that job yeah you know because of the constitution it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. yeah like that's your constitutional right no matter whether you want to or not it's like it's tough because someone has to take it you know exactly and and he was friends with him and his lawyer before so he didn't know he at first he was he thought no he didn't do this and then he's like oh shit he might have done this Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and then he admitted it to him mm-hmm. so sam was upset that his client was constantly lying to him he's like every so he came and admitted it in his office and you'll see as i continue talking about it but gacy like changes his story in his mind often about whether he did or did not commit these murders which i think is a part of the psychosis that goes into it yeah. I, you know mm-hmm. um but he needed help so he called in Bob Mata to be like his second chair in mm-hmm. um, the defense. They were trying to find a good defense. And the only th- one that they could come up with, because they're like, literally our client had 29 bodies found at his property. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way he's not going to get found guilty. But so yeah. the defense that they chose to use was to plea insanity, not mm-hmm. guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the search of the house, they found a law book in Gacy's attic as well, bookmarking the chapter on insanity defenses. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel like the fact that Gacy knew about that mm-hmm. and was researching like law practices, I think proves that he was really smart, you know? Oh like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause nobody that's insane will look up that stuff it's more like it just kind of happens like and they don't even think about it yeah because they actually are insane and when you premeditate things like that it's just you're not you're not crazy Mm -hmm. you're just evil yeah so psychotic (laughs) yes exactly the offense had to prove that he was so cunning and manipulative that he wasn't insane terry sullivan recalls people asking him like oh like come on this guy has to be nuts right like how could he not be crazy and terry was like well great if even my friends think that this guy is crazy how am i gonna convince a jury that he's not Mm -hmm. which is i mean it is crazy like you're killing 30 plus people you have to be crazy right yeah i'm like really dehydrated right now um let's see so they brought in psychiatrists to examine gacy dr richard rapaport was used as an expert witness for the defense trying to prove that he was crazy so he went back to when gacy was young so here we go back into his childhood like i said i didn't want to do But sometimes it's good to know where they come from. So in 1942, Gacy was a kid at this time who liked to build stuff and create things. He liked to listen to classical music. And um, as he was growing up, he always questioned his masculinity because he was so short and fat and not athletic at all. So he was like, 
it is really sad this like stigma that's put on especially back in the day like there was no Mm -hmm. like in between fluidity of any kind um so he was um a hypochondriac as well and he believed that he had an upside down heart which he called a bottle heart he basically he like was is telling this story to his um lawyers and it's like they're kind of like that's not even true like he he but he believes this that's the thing about people that like have mental issues is that they tend to create realities and they believe it mm-hmm. I know well that. it's almost like it's like gaslighting and also like reverse gaslighting like they're coming up with this lie this story mm-hmm. so and they're being so manipulative that like even they believe it yeah is crazy Mm -hmm. um he said that his dad always thought he was stupid and dumb and would never amount to anything and he could never please him um he said that when his dad was sober he said he was nice most of the time but when he drank he became a different man and his dad would go downstairs into his basement every night drink and yell at anybody who came down to disturb him Mm -hmm. his mom was sweet and gentle so he wanted to emulate that sweetness that his mother created Mm. and he would sometimes try on his mom's underwear and he liked it Um, that's so weird yeah so watch out if your kids are trying on your underwear alicia what is i mean if they want their own i'll get their own but don't go try mine on oh that's pretty gross throw mom what is this brown stain (laughs) shut up (laughs) (laughs) um, it's probably from your nasty ass anyways uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's why i buy brown underwear (laughs) um i know what to get you for your birthday brown underwear (laughs) so anyways one time his mom caught him trying on his underwear and she made him wear it and shamed him for it and she said that if she ever caught him again she would make him wear her underwear down the street oh my god (laughs) so on january 28th 1980 that kind of gives you just a little taste of where he came from you know Mm -hmm. um Anyways, January 28th, 1980, Rockford, Illinois, is where the jury selection began for the trial that would take place in Chicago. The goal was to find a jury that would give Gacy a fair trial, which is really hard to do when you have a serial killer that's all over the news. Um, Gacy spoke of a nightmare he had, which is, this is really weird that he, he talked about this, but he said that he would have this reoccurring nightmare while they were waiting for the jury selection that Mm. the jury was struck in a building, um, like by a a bomb and five of them died, leaving only 11 of the 16 alive. Oh my God. What the hell? Talk about that all the time. And I'm like, that's so weird that he would do that. I mean, can you imagine being one of the jurors and you hear that story? Yeah. I'd be like, um, is he Uh... planning something? Yeah, I'd be like, I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) Uh, Which is against the law. On February 6th, 1980, this is when the trial began. The prosecution begins with their opening statements about the 33 bodies found, and they tell the story to a a stunned jury. 
-hmm. Gacy said that he didn't mind Egan and Sullivan as he was like watching their opening statements. He's like, you know, they're just whatever. But he said he hated um, Bill Kunkel. He he's like, I just couldn't stand him. And he would joke and say, I'm watching him. And I know like he's a fucking egotistical bastard and a bisexual. And the investigator was like, how do you know he's bisexual? And Gacy claimed that he had seen him at a bar downtown, um, like a gay bar, basically, mm-hmm. off of Illinois and Clark Street. And he said he remembers him specifically because he would wear a leather jacket and he'd be like a motorcycle gay is what he kept calling him um when he saw him in court that day he's like now mind you when I saw him at the bar I didn't know who he was I just he stood out Mm -hmm. in my head because of what he was wearing and the second that I saw him in the courtroom I was like get this fucking like homosexual off my case Mm -hmm. is what he was saying which is so weird that he was so against him for being a homosexual when he is one kind of weird um, but Kunkel to this day claims that's not true. He's like, I just think that Gacy was afraid of me because he knew what I was about to do to him, and it was rightfully so. He should be afraid. Um, yeah, exactly. He was, he which is kind of funny. I just think it would be funny to be like, oh my god, John Wayne Gacy would call me a homosexual and yell at me and say I shouldn't be on this case. That would be kind of weird. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So then after the opening statements, the parents and family members of the victims got to testify. Um, While the whole time the whole family was testifying, Gacy just stared straight ahead and showed no emotion. They would tell their stories and materialize each victim for the jury. Some of the parents would even be there during the trial every single day. Like they were a staple basically in this Mm -hmm. show of the trial. Um, at one point, Robert Pice's dad came up to Gacy's lawyer, Amarante, and told him, I hold no malice towards you, and I respect that you're doing your job. Like, and Amarante is like, you know, getting all this hate and stuff. And so mm-hmm. he was like, I really respected Robert Pice's dad when he did that, because that mm-hmm. takes like a big man to say that to me. I know, because that would be hard, you know, mm-hmm. seeing the person defending this man that did this to your child yeah like it sucks because you're just like this guy has to do it although some people like to do it nowadays yeah they like to defend these people because they like the money but some people feel like they don't have a choice Mm -hmm. you know because nobody else wants to yeah and I mean sometimes as a defense lawyer you get to have the honor of getting innocent people off yeah exactly so So, that's, that's the good part of it but yeah that's about it yeah. Um, so on February 25th, 1980 was week four of the trial. This is when John Wayne Gacy's mom came to testify. Um, she was going to be used as a witness to all the beatings that occurred to Gacy as a kid from his drunk father. And everybody would just said they're like, she was so nice and sweet and cute. And she like sat up on the thing and she goes, oh, there's Johnny and like pointed at her son in the crowd. And they're like, mm-hmm. It just seemed like it could be anybody's mother up there, just a sweet little old lady. And Mm -hmm. she like birthed and raised a monster. Crazy. You never know. You know, the whole point of trial was to prove whether this man was insane or just plain evil. And Dr. 
that's what I think too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Rappaport said that he did believe Gacy was psychotic, um, <clears throat> that he would go into these psychotic episodes when he committed the murders. It was his way of acting out the aggression he had towards his father as a kid. Then mm-hmm. in between the murders, he was able to cover up his psychosis and hide it. Basically, this ar- this doctor on the d- defensive side is trying to be like, he's only crazy when he kills, which mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Gosh. Shoot, I lost where it was. Oh. Um, his father abused him in the basement, and now he got to do that to his victims. Um, and they were basically, Amarante described it as like he was caught, these kids, these boys were his dumb, stupid little kids that he got to basically, um, uh, what is it called? Where you like emulate his younger self and he got to kill himself over and over again because mm-hmm. he got to see himself in these little kids. That's kind of weird though right yeah i mean it's like instead of actually killing himself he's doing it to other like taking out his aggressions that way but he's like also sexually assaulting them so did his dad do that to him well there was claims that that happened but i don't think any of it was ever like substantiated i feel like when there's gotta be a reason something happened you know what i mean well i feel like if you're just like evil or crazy it doesn't even have to be a big thing to happen it could just be any little thing that could just trigger like switch that switch for you that's what i'm saying i feel like his dad had to have done something to him for him to focus in on that maybe it was the fact that like he had control over them and he felt like masculine because he had control Mm-hmm. because you know he was so worried about his masculinity his whole so he life wanted to feel more power over a man i think so yeah possibly yeah i mean there's so many like freaking. i mean yeah his dad could scenarios. have sexually assaulted him but i don't i mean it's not it was never like proven that that yeah. happened you know and he never admitted to that obviously mm-hmm. yeah okay so on March 6th, 1980, which, which was week five of the trial, um, it was when it became the prosecution's job to prove he was sane um, in the time he committed the crimes. They were trying to prove it was all premeditated, which makes, makes him um, not mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Jim Cavanaugh, the state psychiatric um psychiatrist stated that if Gacy went to the mental hospital he could be released like he basically just blurted out during court like you guys can't like find him not guilty by reason of insanity because you if you set him send him to the mental hospital there's a chance that he could be re-released back into society like Lorena Bobbitt basically yeah yeah but she yeah but she's not like a serial killer, you well, know. But, yeah, but that's what would happen, basically. The same thing. That's well, and it's that's not necessarily true. But Jim Cavanaugh just kind of like blurted it out, like mm-hmm. I think out of frustration, which he's not allowed to do. Yeah, I was gonna say he probably isn't allowed to do no, that either. Yeah. He's not, and so the judge basically said, like, you can't take into account what he just said to the jury. But it's like once you plant that seed into a jury's know. head. You know, that's they're like so crazy. They're like, yeah, discard this. And you're like, 
the fact that a uh, little hard to get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, so basically they won because there's no way you're going to get yeah. a jury to not believe that. Mm-hmm. And they knew that this definitely swayed the jury. Um, uh, then on March 10th, 1960, 1980 was week six. Um, Amarante said he wanted them to find out, find him not guilty by reason of insanity so that they could put him into a mental hospital and have him studied and so that they could hopefully prevent this from happening in the future was basically mm-hmm. what he was trying to argue. Um, then prosecution went next and Kunkel put the entrance of the crawl space, like they saved it. Um, they cut it out, you know, and saved it. And he put it in front of the jury and no then way. He took the board that was full of like all the victims images. And he's like, you want to show this killer mercy by claiming he was insane then show him the same mercy that he showed to these victims and he just started throwing all these pictures into this crawl space like basically just being very theatric you know and really pulling at their heartstrings and Amarante said as he's watching this happen he's like Tam that was like really good because everybody started getting super emotional and he's like I just knew right there that we lost Um, the prosecution and defense then awaited the deliberation of the jury at a local bar and they expected it to take the jury a while to come to their conclusion Mm -hmm. but after ordering only the first round of drinks they got a phone call and the jury was back in the jury how long uh, i'll tell you in a second uh in the jury room not a single juror even considered the plea of insanity gacy made his bed basically they said and he needed to lie in it Mm -hmm. the jury took less than two hours to find gacy guilty on 33 counts of murder he had murdered more people than anyone else in u.s history at this time gacy showed absolutely no emotion when his verdict was read Mm-hmm. which is like it's crazy that i don't know it's so crazy because not only did he murder for like he for sure murdered this many people because like most of them were found under his house you know yeah, uh-huh. whereas other serial killers it's like oh you find a body here you find a body there and it's like either the killer will be like yeah i killed him or it just matches their mo or whatever mm-hmm. but this is like for sure he killed all these people yeah no um, doubt yeah, which is, it's just crazy. If they would have found him not guilty, that would have been insane because literally they found all these bodies there. Like, come on, people. Like, you <laughs> right. don't have to take this long. Because, well, and because too, like, that doesn't mean he's guilty. <laughs> it just means that bodies are under his house in oh the God. eyes of the law. Yeah, I know, crazy. right? <laughs> crazy. Um, March 13th, 1980, Gacy was sentenced to death. Um, it was a yeah exactly which was crazy that they were like happy that it was also like a death sentence mm-hmm. um it was a huge loss for uh, amarante and motto um and they were very emotional and gacy wasn't however he told mm-hmm. them he's like you have to understand you guys 
like you guys were up against like this brick wall of basically the city of Chicago who all hated me he's mm-hmm. like it was impossible to win so don't be so emotional like his <laughs> lawyers were more emotional than he was oh geez um after this happened he went back to the bullpen and asked to speak to Kunkel like he wanted him to he wanted to talk to this prosecutor that you know Mm -hmm. found him guilty and Kunkel went back alone and it was just them two Gacy told them um told him he thought the jury did the right thing in finding him guilty but didn't think that the death penalty was fair um Mm -hmm. and that they only heard half the story so Kunkel basically told him okay well if that's the case I am giving myself the next three weeks off so if you want to go ahead and tell me your side of the story go ahead I'm all ears and Gacy just kind of laughs and Kunkel laughs too. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought, asshole. I'll see you at the execution. Oh my God. <laughs> Which like, sad. imagine say, being able to say that to somebody. That'd be yeah. awesome. Um, so while sitting in jail waiting for his execution, because what people don't realize is it's not like instantaneous. Mm-hmm. It takes a while. Yeah. He started reading law books. Then he started coming up with the story that he didn't kill all these boys Um, He said he was just an accomplice and that he um, did help dispose of two of the bodies, though. But he didn't do it. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Like, uh, what? Okay. (laughs) Gacy swore he could prove that he um, wasn't guilty and he would eventually get out. Which is, like, crazy because he was sitting on death row for such a long time. And, like, there were so many interviews done with him, which is always so crazy to me to think, like, these people get airtime you know it's just Mm -hmm. it's weird to think I just feel like this is really hard because when people are sentenced to death and they're innocent Mm -hmm. you feel bad that they're like in that situation but at the same time for people like him they should die right away they shouldn't live their life at all yeah where I yeah It, it is it is kind of a really hard gray area when it comes to just like the law and also moral compass in general because a lot of people get put to death or are on death row that are innocent it's like that what is that one show on netflix where they like i'm a murderer or whatever Mm -hmm. and they're like all on death row but they all get off of death row and then they just go to prison for the rest of their life yeah but it's like i don't know it's just it's crazy to me that like imagine being on death row and being no like knowing you're innocent and like somebody's gonna put you to death versus oh I'm sitting next to John Wayne Gacy who killed 33 people yeah that they know for sure that'd be yeah, so exactly. that would be so that's like, hard sad. that's really hard yeah which is why like I don't even know whether I believe it should be a thing or not because of because of that type of stuff you know mm-hmm. that's the tough part is like people like him should die but then at the same time they can't just pick and choose yeah you know yeah exactly um so Jolia, illinois in may 1994 um at this time gacy had been living on appeals for 14 years after his final appeal was rejected by the supreme court in the previous october on may 10th was the date of his execution state officials put the names of 90 or yes 95 journalists into a hat 
basically, and drew one name out of which of these 95 journalists got to view the execution. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. Well, that's like such a huge thing for journalists, though, you know, like they want to be in the action so they could be like, these were his last words. And it's like, you know, they were because that guy was there. True. So the winner was uh, Walter Jacobson. He said that he walked um, through the yard and he could hear inmates calling out like, "Um, John, it's going to be okay. Goodbye, John. Like, it was weird. He said, yeah. Which, but like, guys like him are very good at manipulation. Obviously, I think they probably really liked him. Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Gacy was recorded saying, I killed 33 times and you're only going to kill me once. Gacy outsmarted them again. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like <clears throat> pretty crazy to me, but this is like not 100% verified because. Um, some of the uh, investigators that got to watch him be put to death say I didn't hear this but I guess supposedly these were his last words are you ready for it his last words were kiss my ass (laughs) those were his last words I can see that (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) Um, but justice still wasn't over now they had the job of identifying the um, unidentified victims of Mm -hmm. Gacy's which um like thank god he is gone now and he's rotting in hell you know mm-hmm. but these victims are like who it should really be about and um they were trying to just get because they believe that was just the final thing to get justice for these poor kids mm-hmm. um in 2010 they decided to dig up these graves of the unidentified victims to use DNA tech jo- technology to identify their remains. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to identify victim number 19, who was William George Bundy, who was 19 at the time of his disappearance. He was last seen October 1976 when he said he was going to a party and then was never seen again. Um, in 2017, another family came forward and Jimmy... Hakinson, a kid from Minnesota, told his mother he was going to Chicago for vacation. They never saw him again, and he ended up being victim number 24. There were still at this time six uh, six unidentified victims of Gacy's. So then there was nine. Yeah. No, uh, at this point, no, at this point of the trial, there were eight. Oh, okay. So they like slowly over time were mm-hmm. able to identify them. Okay. Then the last known victim of this day was discovered in 2021 when the Cook uh, County Sheriff's Office was determined to identify another one of Gacy's victims who ended up being Wayne Alexander, who was a resident of Chicago in his early 20s. And his family last heard from him in 1976. So like another victim was just identified in 2021 which is so crazy that they're still identifying them to Mm -hmm. this day like that was just last year imagine sad yeah imagine finally getting closure after him disappearing in 1976 like 60 or 50 years ago like that's Mm -hmm. crazy and um they still have unidentified bodies so 
the Cook County Sheriff's Office is asking if you have a family member who went missing at this time in this area to just submit your DNA, which is crazy because DNA has come such a long way where we could find victims and we could find killers Mm -hmm. and solve murders based off of even just familial DNA. Or 23andMe. Yes, which is how a lot like that one documentary I don't know know if you watched it on Netflix the our father thing no but I want to see it it's crazy because like I have a 23 and me in my bathroom that I haven't used yet what if I'm a child what if (laughs) I'm a dead child from the 70s that would explain a lot yes but anyways if you think that one of your family members could be one of those victims then you could reach out to the cook county um and at cookcountysheriff.org um which would be crazy if you're like oh my gosh i remember my mom talking about an uncle that went missing in the 70s mm-hmm. or 80s what yeah. if he's them and then Hopefully that would be so do. crazy right mm-hmm. not that our little show reaches very many people but it might one day and somebody might be listening yeah. to this and be like mm-hmm. I want to go see if my family member was one of them. Yeah. Happens all the time. But mm-hmm. that is the story of the serial killer, John Wayne Gacy. I Crazy like ass clown. That's one of the craziest ones I've ever heard so far. Well, and like I said, he's one of the most prolific. Like he killed 33 people that they know of. I feel like there could mm-hmm. possibly be more. Yeah. Because I don't think he really kept track, Mm-mm. you know? Which, well, maybe he kind of did, but he threw some of the bodies into the river. Because he, remember, he drew that map knowing where, how many bodies were, like, that's crazy that he could remember. Well, I mean, killing somebody is pretty big thing to happen in your life. Yeah, he, I mean, I feel like he was so like, oh yeah, I did this, I did that. So I don't feel like he would hide any bodies. Well, I don't think so. I mean, like, necessarily that he killed somebody well yeah. i don't think that he's hiding it maybe he just like forgot oh yeah i forgot about that one kid that i don't even I don't know, his know. Name. i just feel like he loves that he loves knowing how, how many yeah mm-hmm. well who knows we couldn't ask him anyways because he's rotten in hell true <laughs> true <laughs> but i think after this case because it took a lot out of me even with a break i think i'm gonna probably do like a haunting or something yes yeah I need I to those. I need to take a break from this true crime for a little bit because I mm. watch it when I'm not re- like <laughs> even investigating for the cases I'm gonna do so <laughs> it's just a part of my life now <laughs> I know <laughs> and it freaks me out <laughs> but thank you for listening sorry that we took a break without telling you guys Thank you for all you listeners out there. We appreciate it. Yes. And I hope all the mothers had a good Mother's Day Mm -hmm. and uh, hope you're staying cool out there because it's freaking like 90 degrees out here. Mm -hmm. So freaking hot. (laughs) It's it's hot. It's hot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Before I lose my mind completely with this lady, I'm going to (laughs) go. All right, bye everyone. Goodbye.